0: have a seat yeah give the Lord some praise that's okay that's all right let's do that well good morning that's terrible we're gonna hey we're gonna get this right I promise good morning morning. I want you to I want to know that you're enthusiastic and excited about being here on a Sunday morning uh you know one thing that you noticed when you came in was what what's one thing you noticed about the temperature of the room you noticed there was air conditioning, right? And and I know that there's been much conversation in the last several weeks about just different things as it relates to uh, the air conditioning and that kind of stuff. But I, I know this, and I know Don and I have spent a lot of time at the school this week here. They want us here. They want us here, they're excited about us being here, and so we are so thankful that we have AC today, and we're just going to keep praying for them. They have been all over. They've even had the people that work on it here before we all got here. So as we pray, let's just keep praying that God will keep using this administration and that we as a church can serve them. Amen? I was thinking the other day that uh, actually, uh, I'm 45 now, and so I, I have been a follower of Jesus for thirty six years, I was became a follower of Jesus when I was nine years old. Gave my life to Christ at a Vacation Bible School, and have never been the same since. I know you're like Doug; you were nine. But then the day, I know that I guess when I gave my life to Christ, and God began to shape me. But as I look over the last thirty some odd years of my Christian walk, if there's one thing that I feel like I maybe missed that I wish I had gotten to be a part of and to experience. It's something that I came close to experiencing twice in my life. Once when I lived in Tennessee, I was on this this team that was getting ready for this massive event, and I was so excited, and then God moved me to St. Louis. And when I got to St. Louis, there was this massive event that had just happened, and I missed it, and it was the same event in two big cities. And I, I missed something that I wish I could have experienced, and that was getting to hear the greatest evangelist of the 20th and the 21st century, and his name was Billy Graham. And I missed those crusades on both ends. I was, I was so disappointed because I, I can't imagine how amazing. And some of you are like, I don't know who Billy Graham is. You know what, you need to find out. He is the greatest mouthpiece of God in the 20th and really the 21st century that shared the gospel. And he was close and he advised and, and kind of worked with all the presidents. But one thing that I found interesting as I watched some of this stuff on TV because I never got to go was how many people, thousands of people, would come out of the stands for a very simple message and the message is always the same repent give your life to christ I mean, the one thing Billy Graham was criticized the most for was how simple his message was. It wasn't deep enough. It wasn't theologically intriguing enough. And his thing was always the same comment. He's like, listen, I don't have to get to the intricacies of theology. All I need to do is to lift Jesus up, and he promises that when I lift him up, he will draw all men to himself. And you can't argue with his crusades, can you? Thousands of people giving their life for Christ. I mean, I wish I'd have seen that. But there's one thing that I heard Billy Graham say one time that that really has shaped me and impacted my life, and I've thought a lot about it, especially as we prepare for this new series for something more. He made this statement. He said that for all of us, we all have a God-shaped hole in our heart. Now, I want you to think about that for a minute. All of us have a God-shaped hole in our heart. Now, what was Billy Graham trying to communicate? He was this, is that all of us intuitively have this longing for something more. All of us do. All of us at some point in our life go, there's got to be more than a mediocre life. There's got to be more than a humdrum life. There's got to be more than just existing in life. There's got to be more. He's like, he wanted us to know that there really is this, this thing in us, this longing for something The problem we get into is this, many of us know we have that longing for something more, but the places we go to try to fill that longing is the wrong places, isn't it? For many of us, maybe we try to find money. Maybe we think if we have more money, we have a a greater financial sense of security that somehow that's going to fulfill the deepest longings of my heart. Maybe for others of us, it's a relationship. You know what? If I can only get into a godly relationship or I have godly friends that somehow that's gonna fill the greatest longing of my heart. Now, either one of those things bad? No, but do they fill the greatest longings of your heart? No. For some of us, I've known people that were married and their marriage was on the rocks and they just thought this, that if we just have kids, that somehow that's gonna fill the void that's in our marriage and somehow gonna fill the greatest longing of our hearts. For some people, it's power. You know, I need to be in a position where I feel respected. And maybe if I climb that corporate ladder and I get to a level where I have all this responsibility and all this respect, somehow that will fill the greatest longings of my heart. For some of you that are teenagers, maybe it's popularity. But if I can just get in with the right people and the right crowd and be known as one of those guys or those ladies, then somehow that will fill the greatest longing of my heart. Now, listen, I could go on all day, but here's what we all know. None of those things satisfy the deepest longings of our heart, do they? Do they? No. What we find out is when you have more money or you have kids or you have power or you have popularity or you have any of those things, there's still a longing for something more. Now, I want you to hear me today, and I want, you, I want you to hear me clearly today. I believe beyond a shadow of a doubt, just as sure as I'm standing here, I believe that God has created us for something more. I believe that. I believe God has created you and has created me for something more. I don't think God wants us to live a mediocre, humdrum life where we just exist. I think God has something more for us. So the question I want us to think about today is this, what is it? If God has created me for something more, and he has, in fact, just look to your neighbor right now and go, God has created you for something more. Do that right now. Look at your neighbor. Some of you don't like your neighbors. That's okay, all right? We'll get over that. You were the name tag long enough. We'll figure it out, right? So listen, God has created you for something more, so what is the more? If you have your Bibles, I want you to look at me in the book of John, Gospel of John. John chapter 10 is where I'm gonna be, and we're gonna do something a little different today. I'm gonna ask you, if you can, to stand in honor of reading God's word, All right? standing on and reading god's word if you can't stand that's okay here we go john chapter 10 i'm going to begin reading in verse 7 it says this so jesus said again to them truly truly i say to you i am the door of the sheep all who came before me were thieves and robbers but the sheep did not listen to them i am the door if anyone enters by me he will be what saved And will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But I have come that you might have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd laid down his life sheep. let's pray God I thank you for the truth of your word today may you use this truth and may you unpack it for us and show us the magnificent truth of the more the something more that you have for us I believe it Lord and I just pray that we would take hold of it today be with us open our eyes open our hearts and wreck us today for it's in your precious son's name we pray amen amen you may have a seat let me have a seat. Now, when you look at that passage, there are two things that I want to highlight. There's two things. When we think about something more and that God has something more for us, what is the more? And I think there's two things that Jesus said here that we need to listen to. Look back with me in verse 7. He said, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out, and he will find pasture. The first thing more that Jesus wants us to experience is he wants us to experience eternal life with him. And I want you to write that down this morning. You've got some notes there. There's not fill in the blanks. I want you to write it down because you need to know this morning, wherever you find yourself, the primary desire of God our Father is that we would experience eternal life with him. And know some of you have been in church a long time. Go, Doug, it seems like all the time we talk about eternal life and coming to faith in Christ. Listen to me, that's the building block. Without that, everything else is just pop in circumstance. The most important truth we could ever share on a Sunday morning is that eternity is real. And that everybody in this room, you're going to spend eternity somewhere. You're either going to spend eternity apart from Christ in a place called hell, or you're going to spend eternity in the presence of Jesus for all eternity. Now, I don't know if you've thought about what eternity looked like, Well, that's a long time, isn't it? I can remember as a kid, right before I made my decision for Christ, I did something weird. I'm kind of weird. I have some weird quirks to me. But one thing I did as a kid, I laid on my back in my bed. I just met with my pastor. He just shared the good news about Jesus with me. And I remember laying on my back in my bed, and I would turn over to my left side, which is totally weird, but I did. And I would think about everything I'd ever heard about hell, the weeping, the gnashing of teeth. And my pastor was great because he said, listen, weeping in gnash of teeth is, is bad, but the worst part of hell is eternal separation from Jesus. And I would try to think about what does forever look like and forever. And I can remember as a nine-year-old kid, tears in my eyes and beginning to weep about, I don't want to go to that place. And then I would roll over my right side and wipe my tears away and think about everything I'd heard about heaven and about being with Jesus. And it was shortly after that I made my decision for Christ. Why? Because in that moment I understood something, that eternity is real. And it is forever. And the decisions that we make on this side, on this life, will affect our total eternity. I know some of you think, you know what, I've got tomorrow, I've got next week. The Bible says today is the day of salvation. You don't know what you're gonna have. But I do know this, the Bible says, that's appointed once for a man to die, and then the judgment. At death, there's judgment. And our eternity has been secured. There are no unbelievers in hell. They just believe too late. Right? And I say, we talk about this because it matters. And I want you to know the very first thing that Jesus wants us to experience is eternal life with him. Notice what Jesus said. He said, I am the door. He said it twice, didn't he? I am the door. Now, this is one of seven I am statements that Jesus gave. He said, I am the resurrection of life. I am the way, the truth, the life. And here he says, I am the door. In other words, he's saying, I am the singular point of entry to a relationship with God. Now, I want to give you a quick thing that, that's, going to, that's going to mess with your mind a little bit. In the Greek language, when he says, I am the door, the word the in the Greek means something. It doesn't mean anything in English as much, but in the Greek, it's the sign of the definite article. Meaning, he says, I am the door, meaning there is no other door. There is no other path to God. So, when Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life... He's the only one who gives eternal life. When he says, I am the way, the truth, the life, he's the only one that can get us to God. When he says, I am the door, he means there's only one entry point into a relationship with God, and it's through me. The means a lot. He said, I'm the door, I'm the entryway. And he said, there's been a ton of people that come before me, and they try to tell you a different gospel, but they're thieves and they're liars. I am the entry point it's me and those who come to me come to me by faith and they he says are what saved everybody say saved with me saved now some of you are like dude I've been to church like 30 minutes I have no idea what that word means well let me tell you what it means it means to be rescued It means that I'm walking this way to an eternity apart from Christ. I turn from my sin, put my faith in Jesus, and He rescues me. He snatches me, and I move from death into life and from darkness into the light. To be saved means to be rescued by Jesus. And He says, Those of them that come to me by faith, and they come through this door, me, the only door, they're saved. And at that moment, listen to me, at the moment you put your faith in Jesus Christ, you are given eternal life with him. The Bible says that heaven throws a party just for you. And that your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. And your eternity has been secure forever. Now, is that good news? Only five of you think so. Some of you are like, I'm not sure about that, right? I mean, is that good news, Amen? amen? That's great news for us. Now, not only does he say that they are saved, but he also says that they're able to come in, and they're able to come in and go out, meaning that, that when you become a follower of Jesus, now you're placing yourself under the provision and the protection of God the Father. So my sheep, when they come into me, they are saved, but they experience the provision and the protection of our Heavenly Father. Now, let me tell you why what Jesus said is so significant. Because it reminds us that salvation is found in a person, not our performance. So there's a lot of people, maybe some of us in the room today, think that somehow if I do enough good and that good outweighs the bad, and when I stand before the Lord, if this part my good outtips the scales of my bad, that somehow that I'm gonna get in. And listen to me when you read the gospels, here's what you find out you are dead wrong. I am saved by grace through faith not my own works, that way I have no reason to boast. Right, that's what scripture says, that we are saved by grace through faith. See, salvation, what Jesus says reminds us that salvation is found in him, not by performance. Doug's best day, with my best attitude, with my best behavior, and my best clothes will not bring me close to satisfying the sin debt that I owe him. Never will happen. That's why I need Jesus, amen? that's why you need Jesus, that's why we need Jesus, see this reminds us that the salvation is found not in a person, in a person, not our performance, it also reminds us that salvation is something to be received, not assumed, and here's what I mean, I've talked to tons of people in my life to say this, well if God is a loving God, you know when they start conversations like that and you go time out, time out, because what you're about to say is that you're putting conditions on God, and if God were loving, he would do what you think he should do, but because he's not doing what you think you should do, he's not a loving God. And that's when you say you're dead wrong. Because here's what they'll say. If God was a loving God, he wouldn't send anybody to hell. Anybody ever heard that one before? God didn't send anybody to hell. We choose it. We live in a world where we want to bow up and be self and be independent and depend on self. Great. You choose where you spend eternity. And all those who are spending eternity apart from Christ chose to reject Jesus at some point in their life. And this reminds us that salvation is something to be partaken in, to be received, something that we can get, that we can say, Lord, I'm gonna put my faith in you and I'm gonna receive the gift of eternal life. It's not something to be assumed. Not everybody makes it. In fact, probably for me, the most terrifying scripture in all scriptures in Matthew chapter seven, when Jesus says that those that come to me and say, hey, Lord, Lord, did I prophesy in your name? Didn't I cast out demons in your name? And he said, Then I looked at them and said, Cast away from me forever, for I never knew you. And that'll keep you up at nights if you thought about it. Now, what was the point of what Jesus is saying? Is salvation's never to be assumed, it's to be received. It's about relationship, not about religion. Now, the thing also I love about this passage, what Jesus says, knows it reminding us stuff, but it also reminds us how God intervenes in our lives. He says that we have the going out and the coming in, meaning we, we are under the, the protection, the provision of God. Listen to me, I want you to know something. There's power in knowing that the Heavenly Father is directly involved in our lives. I think some of us kind of think this way, that somehow God kind of wound us up and threw us out on earth and go, man, I hope it all works out well for you. Well, that's not the way it is. I can tell you from the time that we accepted the calling to come here and how God has worked things out that God has been directly intervening on our behalf he's been directly intervening in my life and if you were able to look at your lives and you were able to look at the scenarios and the situations and the circumstance you would be foolish not to understand that God has been stepping in that there's been some divine interruptions in my life think about Mary you think when the angel showed up go hey oh by the way you're going to bear the child the son of God you think that was an interruption in her life Come on, ladies, was that an interruption? What? Now the thing about Joseph, man. You're Joseph, and you're like, hey, your, your wife's gonna have a baby, not any baby, but the son of God. And by the way, she's not been with anybody else. She's still pure. I still want you to marry her. You think Joseph, Joseph was knocked off the rails a little bit there? You better believe it. Listen, our God is still in the business of divinely interrupting our lives. So it talks about going in and coming out. It's just a reminder that God continually protects and provides for his sheep. Some of you just need to know that today. Now for us, here's the point. For us, we need to know that there's only one thing that can satisfy the deepest longings of our heart, and it's Jesus. It's a personal relationship with Jesus. And the only way to have that relationship is by surrendering our life and putting our faith and our trust in him. For those of you here today that do not know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, listen to me, the something more that he has for you is eternal life. Today, he's offering you eternal life, but you've got to receive it or you're going to reject it. Now, some of you are thinking, okay, Doug, that's great. I know that, that one thing, is that for the something more that God wants for me is to experience eternal life with him. That's great. But what about me? I've been a believer like you, Doug, for 30 some odd years, I, and I know Jesus is my Lord and my Savior. What is the something more for me? Well, I'm glad you asked that question. Look with me in verse 10. It says this Jesus says, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But I have come that you may have life and have it how? Abundantly. Now listen, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, here's the something more he wants for you. He wants you to experience the abundant life because of him. See, if you don't know Christ, he wants you to experience eternal life for him and because of him. But if you do know Christ, he wants you to experience eternal life because of him. Now when you look at that passage and you think about what Jesus is saying, he tells us a couple of things. First of all, he tells us the plans of the devil, and he tells us the plans that he has for us. Now, when I read that passage that Jesus wants us not just to have life, but have life abundantly, I'm reminded, and maybe you're reminded, of all the people we come in contact with who call themselves followers of Jesus, but they live a life struggling, oppressed, discouraged, downbeaten, they kind of, and I was telling this into in the group I met with Sunday night, they almost have that Hee haw theology I grew up watching Hee haw I don't know if you've ever watched Hee haw before, if you haven't you haven't missed anything, but there was a section where the, there was just this, this they were all in overalls and these hats like Don Jacobs wears, and they had this like these hound dogs uh, on the floor that was a compliment actually, on, a, on the ground and they start singing this song, gloom despair, agony, I mean. you know what I'm talking about right, deep dark depression, excessive misery, if it weren't for bad luck I'd have what? No luck at all, gloom, despair, agony on me. How many of us know believers that live like that? We walk through life and we're like, we're not experiencing abundant life, we're just existing, we're just present, we're just here. Listen, God has more for you than that. That is not what God intended for you. But I want you to notice before we get into what abundant life really is, notice what Jesus says about the enemy, the devil. He says the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And I want you to think about that with me for a minute because we have a real enemy. There's a real enemy. There's really someone out there seeking to devour us. There's someone out there, the devil's out there, and he's doing the very thing Jesus said he would do. He says he wants to steal from you, he wants to kill you, and he wants to destroy you. And I want you to write those three things down because I want to talk talk about it. What does he want to steal from us? You think about it, does he want to steal your money? No. He wants to steal your passion for Christ. He wants to steal your passion for Christ. He wants us to manipulate he wants to manipulate the circumstances and events of this life so that somehow or another we begin to doubt God and like, God, if you love me, why would you let this happen and God, if you love me, why did this not work out this way god i don't understand and he wants to create so much doubt in our heart that he steals our passion in Christ he doesn't want us to have a heart for the loss he doesn't want us to have a heart for living for Jesus he doesn't want us to have a heart that's enthusiastic and excited about who God is and what he's done for us he doesn't want us to have a heart to become more like Jesus. He wants to steal our passion. Now, some of you, if you were honest today, would say this that's happened to me. I thought the circumstances of life happen. And the devil has robbed me of my passion. I believe the lie that God is to be doubted instead of to be trusted. And somehow or another the passion that I had to live for him has just dissipated. It's just it's just gone. He wants to steal our passion. But you know what else he wants to do? He wants to kill something. You know what he wants to kill? Somebody said, well, i go, our joy. Our joy. You know what the devil wants us to do? He wants us to focus on happiness. I can't tell you how many believers I've come across in my life that say, you know, I really just think God wants me to be happy. Ah, wrong answer. That's not the what. He, God. Listen, it's kind of like my boys when they were growing up said, hey, dad, um, what you just did was not fair. Anybody ever heard your kid say that? And here's what I always tell them. This is such a great biblical answer. You ought to write this down. You ready? I want to model God for you, son, so I'm going to be concerned with justice, not fairness, because God is not fair, but he's always just, right? And the same thing's true for us. What God desires for us is not necessarily happiness, but joy. And so like, Doug, what's the difference? Well, here it is. Joy is that, that the happiness is that fleeting emotion, right? It's that fleeting emotion. That's not what joy is. See, what the devil wants us to do is to focus on being happy. What the devil wants us to do is to worry about life and to struggle with life and to look at things and and try to figure out how to fix this stuff on our own. And some of you today, if I ask you, do you really have joy in the Lord this morning? You go, my joy's been kind of killed in me. It's been killed in me. My passion's been stolen. He's killed me in my joy. But he doesn't stop there. He wants to still kill, what's the last word? Destroy. You know what he wants to destroy in you? Your testimony. He wants to entice you so much with sin. He wants to entice you so much with following your own dreams, hopes, and desires that you've come up with. He wants you to so follow your ability to reason and to work through things that somehow you open yourself up to sin and you partake in sin. And at some point, you follow that trail of sin so far and so long that you become ineffective for the kingdom of God. He wants to destroy your testimony. Now, I know some of you out there, man, you're way smarter than I am, and here's what you think. You know, this little old me, the devil doesn't care about me. Well, a couple of things I want to say about that. Number one, if you're making noise for Christ, oh, yes, he does. You know, if you are going to attack somebody, if you were in war, do you attack those who are enemies who are making noise or those who are hiding in the rocks, in the caves? Who do you go after? Those that are making noise, those who are a threat to you. And I guess we kind of have to back them and ask this question. Are we a threat to the enemy? Are we so living for Christ that we are a threat to him that he's going to come after us? Because you know what? You can say little all you all day long, but he does care about you, and he wants to do all he can to still kill, and destroy you. That's the plans of the devil. Do you feel encouraged right now? You're like, no, not so much. That's the devil's plans for you. But let me tell you what Jesus' plan is for you is that we would have abundant life. Somebody, everybody say abundant life. That's what he wants for you. He doesn't want us just to survive, he wants us to thrive, right? He wants us to thrive because, listen, I can't, the number of believers that I'm around that are just depressed and just struggling and just gloom and despair. Listen, when I said yes to Jesus, I've been set free. I am free from the bondage of sin. I am free from the penalty of sin. I am free from the payment of sin. I am free and have every reason in the world to celebrate my Savior because he did come out of the grave and he is alive and he's worthy to be worshipped, worthy to be lived for, and worthy to be praised no matter what my circumstance is. He doesn't want us to survive. He wants us to thrive. And some of us need to grab a hold of that today. He wants us to be blessed by him. When I was uh, living in St. Louis, Sonia lived there, and, uh, and James was like three years old, and Daniel was like two, and I had a real problem there. You know, I, I would call it addiction, but that would make, make you think of terrible things, but really, I was addicted to Toys R Us. I had, I had a, I, I, you, you laugh, but you can ask Sonia, it's the truth. I struggled. Every day after work, I would go buy Toys R Us, and, and I usually bought stuff, and it was bad. It was not good. I mean, eventually, Sonia had to lay the law down and go, stop going to Toys R Us don't go see Jeffrey anymore and so and so but but here's the thing is when I would go to Toys R Us and I would take James with me at three you know what three-year-olds do when you walk down the aisle daddy I want daddy I want daddy I want daddy I want dad you know what I'm talking about right they don't even know what it is but they want it right the daddy I want now listen when James would say daddy I want do you think I wanted to give him what he wanted no I wanted to back up a diesel and i wanted to give him the entire store right i mean i didn't want him to get two or three toys i wanted james to have a room that looked like he just walked in i mean i want him to have everything and think about this way that's what god wants from us i think sometimes i'm too busy going god would you bless me this way god would you bless me that way god would you bless me this way instead of saying god just you bless me because what you have for me is way bigger than what i have for myself and part of the abundant life is realizing this. does no he wants us to thrive, but he wants to bless us. Don't tell God how to bless you. Say, God, I just want to be blessed by you because my Bible still teaches that when God blesses us, it will blow us away. Amen? And so that's what abundant life looks like. Now look what Jesus says. He says, I want you to have life and life more abundantly. In other words, not only do I want you to have eternal life, but I want you to have abundant life. And here's what he's saying. He's like, I want you to have an abounding passion for me. I want your passion for me to be abounding. Personally, I want you to hunger and thirst. Jesus said this way in Matthew 5, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Listen, one of the things that God wants from us, one of the things that Jesus wants from us is to have an abounding passion for him where we hunger and we thirst for him, that we crave every day getting up and reading and investing the very breath of God into our life or we pray and we commune with a holy God. He longs for that, and we should long for that. That's what it means to hunger and thirst for him. See, personally, he wants us to have an abounding passion for him, but also he wants us to have an abounding passion for him by sharing our faith, by telling other people about Jesus and having a heart for the lost. See, listen, what the devil wants to steal from us, Jesus wants us to abound in. He wants us to have an abounding passion for him. He wants us to have an abounding joy joy In him. Now let me tell you what joy means. I talked about it a while ago, but here's joy. Happiness is a fleeting emotion. Joy is being in the deepest, darkest tunnel of your life and knowing that God has provided a way out. That's joy. Without getting too far into it, can we just be honest this morning? Can we just be transparent? How many of you in the room today would say, hey, Doug, there's been a situation or circumstance at some point in my life, I've lost someone who died or someone had cancer or there's a tragic event or just life really hit hard and I mean, I struggled. Anybody in the room like that? Man. See, now, would you look at that situation and go, I need to be happy? No, that'd be foolish, wouldn't it? But in those situations, can you still have joy? Because you know what joy says? Joy says, no matter what I'm going through, no matter how difficult this thing is, no matter how tragic this has happened, I know that my God is in control. I know that my God is for me. I know that my God is with me. And I know that my God is in control. That's Joy. And some of us are missing that today. See, Jesus wants us to have an abounding joy, but he also wants us to have an abounding testimony for him. In Matthew chapter five, Jesus said this way, let your light shine before men in such a way that people will see your good works and praise your father in heaven. Can I tell you a secret today that I hope does not stay in the room? Your life is not about you. My life is about pointing people to Jesus. Can I tell you where most of us blow it? after church on Sundays, we go eat and everybody, we don't beat every other denomination there. So we, we get there, maybe we do, I don't know. But we get there and maybe the waitress has had a bad day or the waiter has had a bad day or the cooks are brain dead and they're just, everything's slowed. I don't know. But many of us, we go to those places and we we come to church and we're like, hallelujah, praise God. And we give our tithes and we give our offerings and we've shaken hands. And, how you doing, brother? And how you doing, sister? Then we go out and eat and we treat people like the devil. Listen, my life, every area of my life, from dinner on Sunday to worship on Sunday morning and everything in between, is about one thing, and that's pointing people to Jesus by my life and my behavior. You're pointing people somewhere. The question is where are you pointing them? And what Jesus wants for us is to have an abounding testimony for him. See, here's what I find interesting about the words of Jesus. What the devil wants to steal, kill, and destroy in us, Jesus wants to abound in us. He wants an abounding passion for him. He wants an abounding joy for him and an abounding testimony for him. So if you had to pick which one you fit today, would you fit more with what the devil's robbed and stolen from you? Or would you say your life is abounding today? And some of you are like, I don't know. Well, listen to what Jesus said here as we close this passage out. Look with me in verse 11. I love Jesus gives us amazing, amazing, amazing gut punch to these guys look what he says i am the good shepherd and the good shepherd lays his life down for a sheep now here's what jesus is saying listen i want something more for you and if you don't know me here's what i want i want you to have eternal life and if you do know of me here's what i want for you i want you to have abundant life and i know life gets crazy but listen to me i am the good shepherd And I love you so much, and I so desire for you to have eternal life, and I so desire for you to have abundant life, that look what I'm willing to do for you. Lay my life down for you. Is that love or what? But here's the thing. We all have a choice to make today. You have a choice to make. You can either continue to pursue what the world's more that they offer and never be satisfied and always be frustrated and can you continue down the path you're headed down, or you can choose to pursue the more that Jesus is offering today, the more of eternal life, the more of abundant life, and let what he does and what he offers bring you satisfaction. You have a choice today to make. Well, Daniel and I were in St. Louis this last week, I was just reading some articles, just different things, some random articles, news articles that pop up, and I came across this article, and you may have read it or heard about it. It was about Eskimos, and I know you're thinking, why are you reading about Eskimos? Well, it's hot down here, and maybe I was trying to get a cold thought. I'm not sure, but anyway, I was reading about Eskimos, and I don't know if you know this, but they say that the, for the Eskimos, the greatest threat to Eskimos' existence and for their welfare are wolves. I didn't know that. And they said that the way that Eskimos will kill wolves and to protect themselves is they will get an extremely sharp knife and they will find a dead seal and they will take that knife and and re- literally immerse it into this, the fat of the seal, and they would make sure that that knife is dripping with the fat from this dead seal. And then they will take this knife and they will stick it in the ground with the blade up, and they will cover it with snow. And then they will go hide behind a tree or whatever's out there. Maybe they're igloo. I'm not sure. They'll go hide away. And they said the wolves will come, and the wolf sense of smell is so amazing that they will come and they will smell that fat of that seal, and they will begin to lick that snow. Y'all may have heard this story before. They lick the snow and they lick the snow and they lick the snow, and all the time they're licking the snow they're trying to find satisfaction for hunger they're hungry and they want food and so they've got this fat of this seal and they're licking it and it says eventually those Eskimos said that they will watch these wolves and when they start licking that they eventually get down to the blade and the next thing the wolves know is they've hit blood and there's, now there's blood and so now this, the wolves think that they've got really into the seal and now they're about to be nourished and here was the point of the article you ready this was blew my mind the very thing that these wolves would do to think that they're really living life were the things that were really killing them See, the wolves would bleed to death because they have been licking that knife. And I'm just telling you, some of you in the room are pursuing the world's things, and you think you're living high on the hog, but it's killing you spiritually. So I have two words of encouragement today. First of all, if you don't know Christ today, let me give you one word. I want you to write it down. Here it is. Repent. If you don't know Christ as your Savior today, in just a minute, I'm gonna ask one of the deacons to be on this over here in the front and over here, and I'm gonna be standing right there. If you need to accept and receive the gift of eternal life that Jesus is offering you, if you've never made that decision before, my encouragement to you today is just repent. Just say, Lord, I know that I'm a sinner, and I know that Jesus says he died for me, and I wanna receive him as my Lord and my Savior. If you've never trusted him today, and you're not a follower of Jesus, today the word is repent. But if you are a follower of Christ today, let me give you a word, and I want you to write this down. Restore. Restore. Now, I don't know about you, but in my life, there's moments that God so breaks me that there's only one posture for me, and that's on my knees before him. And I'm praying that for you today, because here's what I want. Many of you, if you were honest, that are followers of Jesus, you would say this, man, I've lost my passion for the Lord. I've lost my joy in Christ. I've lost my testimony. But I want it back. I want that passion back. I want that joy back. I want to be a mouthpiece and a behavior, and people see my behavior and be drawn. I want it back. So here's what I'm going to ask you to do. I'm going to ask you to be so bold. Maybe you want to come down and get on these, these rugs on your knees before holy God and go, Lord, would you restore my passion for you Lord would you restore my joy in you and Lord would you restore my testimony for you restoration is what so many of us need if we want to be the mouthpiece of God to the broken and lost world with which we live some of us need some restoration this morning some of us need our joy back and can I ask you to be selfish today can I ask you go? I want it back the devil took it I want it back I mean, if you're really determined, you want it back, you want your passion back, you want your joy back, you want your story back, you want your testimony back, then will you come and get on your face before God and go, Lord, would you restore my joy, restore my passion, and restore my testimony? Or not. And then next week, we'll come back the same condition we're here today. Remember, he created you for more. He didn't create you for mediocrity. He didn't create you for humdrum or just to exist. He created you to have eternal life with him and to experience abundant life because of him. And will you grab hold of it today? Here's what I'm asking you to, everybody stand with me if you would. Everybody stand with me as we pray. I'm gonna ask you, everybody stand quickly with me. Every head bowed and every eye closed. Nobody's looking around, just between you and the Lord. Before I pray for you, I just wanna encourage you this morning. I'm gonna ask if I can have a deacon on this side over here up front and Ron's over there and just, I'll be in the middle, just doesn't matter. Just, I, I want some people that, that just, that just wanna be with you and love on you, encourage you. Every head bowed and every eye closed, I just wanna say this to you. If you don't know Christ today, this is your window of opportunity. You don't know what the next 20 minutes hold for you. Today is that day of salvation. If you've never trusted him, as we start singing, I'm gonna ask you to step out of your seat and be so bold to grab one of these men or myself and say, would you tell me what it means to know Christ? But if you are a follower of Jesus today, I just want to be honest. If you'd say, Doug, I've lost my passion or I've lost my joy or I've lost my testimony, would you just slip your hand up? I want to pray for all of us today. It's all right, nobody's going to judge, nobody's looking, you feel like you've lost it. Now, put it down, you put them down. Would you be so bold to say, I want it back? And today's the day I'm going to get it back. Today's the day that I'm going to ask God to restore me, to restore my passion, to be reminded of how he saved me while I didn't deserve it he did it anyway and I want that passion to be exuded in my life I'm going to ask him to restore the joy of his salvation back to me I'm going to ask him to restore my testimony if that's you today as soon as I say amen and we hit that first note would you find yourself on these rugs on your knees before God and just crying out to him Lord we love you I thank you for today and I pray that as we leave this place in a few moments that we would realize that you do have something more for us. And what the world offers doesn't cut it. The world doesn't satisfy us. But what will satisfy our longing for more is you. Because what you created us for is to be in a relationship with you, to have eternal life with you. But that's not where it ends. You said that you come to give us life, but life more abundantly. And God, I pray for those who don't know you that today they would just get out of those seats and and come up front and make a decision for you. But God, today my heart is wrecked for those of us who follow you. And we don't have our joy this morning. We have lost our passion. And consequently, our testimony is terrible. God, will we not let it go anymore? Will we decide today we're gonna get it back? Today we're gonna surrender again before you and ask you to restore us, to restore those things back to us. So that when we leave this place, we'll be drastically different as we were when we got here. God, wreck us today. Move in us. And if we need to make a decision for you, was to come accept you as our Savior or come get on our face before you and cry out to you, may we have the courage to do it. Lord, I love you. And it's in your precious son's name we pray. Amen. Amen. If you need to respond, please do.